All right, if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 150. Psalm chapter 150. Thank you, Miss Dayton, for that song. You sang before last time I preached, and I, uh, I remember after the service I told you that I, I, I wish for one day, whenever we're in heaven, that your mansion's near mine so I can hear you. So I really do thank you for that. Um, so a little update on my life. Uh, done with school now. I'm going to be walking for graduation ceremony in May. Uh, in March, I'm going to be starting at a church uh, in, in um, Claremont, Florida, hopefully as the assistant pastor. And uh, just to clarify some things because of the video that Brother Joe put out of the prayer request about me dating uh, or marrying, um, I am dating someone now. So I don't want you to stop praying for me, though. I, I, I desire your prayers, but I am dating someone now. Her name is Becca. She is a, she's a very godly woman. She uh, wants to serve the Lord. And uh, I think she just has a good passion for souls and uh, a, heart, a heart of a servant. And I'm hoping that she gets to come and visit here soon and maybe have her sing a special or something because she also has a really great voice. Um, but today our, our message is going to be, uh, it's kind of picking off of back of one statement that Dr. Lucan said this morning, which was that there's darkness all around us. And the light shines through the darkness. He, and I, I not exactly remember the words that he said specifically. Um, but I want us today to look to Christ. That's my whole goal for tonight is for us to look to Christ. Um, I thought about some cheap shops to take at Joe or Dr. Lucan. Uh, just because, uh, you know, this morning he said that I should be scared of him. But I wasn't even a little bit scared of Dr. Lucan this morning because I knew I was talking tonight. So I would have the last laugh. <laughs> One way or the other. So I wasn't even worried, not a little bit. Um, I wasn't going to tell him about the, the first class of logic. Uh, you remember that one? He denies this, by the way, but it actually happened. I walk into class. He walks in with his folder. He slams it down on the desk. He says, all right, it's time to bring the pain. Some of you will fail. Some of you will pass. Some of you were preordained to fail. And that's, okay, you think he's a nice guy, but not, not always, okay? You know, not always. He denies that, though. He denies that story, but... No, he's a, he's a good guy, and he's been a blessing to me, and he's, he's been my boss for a couple years as well, and uh, just very godly man's taught me so much, I'm very thankful for you. Um, but uh, one thing I want us to notice about our God, let's look in Psalm chapter 150, we're going to read the whole psalm. It says, Praise ye the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in the firmament of His power, praise Him for His mighty acts, praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the loud sounding cymbal, or the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise you the Lord. Let's pray and we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for today. We're thankful for the ability to come to church. And Lord, we're thankful for this season of Christmas and how we get to uh, exalt you in our hearts and hopefully in our, our mouths and in our lives. And Lord, I just ask that you would uh, be with us tonight and help us to look to you and to see um, maybe what we're missing in life or what we could do or, or how we could be better about this object of praise and subject of praise. And Lord, I just ask that you'd be with us now and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. God is good. He is so good. Uh, our God is not one of those gods made of stone and wood. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't weary. He doesn't, he's not sad. He's not too busy for us. He cares about 
every single one of you. God's eyes are all over us. He's, he watches every aspect of our lives, and He cares about us, and He wants to be involved in our lives. And a lot of other religions, they, they have all these figments of gods, all these ideas of gods, and most of them, even though they're made up, are not as good as ours. They're not personal. They're not one-on-one as our God is. And our God is so good. His nature is infinite. And that's one thing I want us to think about today is His nature is infinite. And, you know, I can imagine a hundred things. I can imagine a thousand things. I can even imagine a million things. I can drive by a golf field and see a million, you know, or a billion blades of grass. I I can visualize those things. But the idea of something being infinite I cannot register. My mind doesn't make that connection because we're not infinite. We're so finite. We can only go off of what we see, off of what we've experienced. And, but for God, His nature is infinite. And that's how a lot of his, his descriptions in the Bible is. It says that there's no searching of His understanding. That's omniscience, His mind. He can see everything. He knows everything. We can't understand that. We can't process that. Uh, it said, the Bible says also that nothing is hid from him. It says that his love passeth knowledge. That's Ephesians chapter 3. His mercies are new every day. Grace to all, for all. His salvation is free to anyone who asks for it. Anyone. Whether, whether great or small, whether a king in a palace or whether a, a bum in the street. He can save anyone. And he loves everyone. And he knows everyone. And his grace is sufficient for everyone. His grace can be given as a gift to anyone that asks for it, whether it doesn't matter who you are. His grace is for everyone. He is so powerful and so good, yet so much of the time, we don't give Him one thing that He desires, and that's praise. He requires praise. He asks for praise. It says that He delights in praise. But oftentimes, we don't give it to Him because we're so focused on on all these other things, we, we withhold it from him. We're like, we're like Scrooge not giving Bob Cratchit his, his money or you know, some warmth to work in. We withhold good things from him. We withhold the gift and the, the sacrifice of praise. Now, the purpose of this message is not for me to come up here and say, you guys need to praise God more. Because that's something I can't tell you to do. I can't tell you to praise God. Because... Praising God comes from in here. It's an overflow of how you view God. It's an overflow of your love and, your, and of your view of Him. And it is an overflow of the awe. It is the overflow of your thankfulness. It is an overflow of your love and admiration, of your worship. It's, it should come out of you naturally. I can't come up here and say, y'all need to worship more. That's not how it works. You need to look to God. And when you see God and you get a proper understanding of who He is and you, and you can grasp what He's trying to do in your life, that should cause you automatically to praise. Because what He's trying to do in your life is so much better than, than sometimes what we think. He has a vision for each life in here. He has a goal, a purpose. He wants us to do great things for God. He wants us to help people. He wants us to love people. He wants us to have a relationship with Him that is so tight and so unique but oftentimes we don't, we don't think about that. We just think about it, okay, read my Bible, pray, go to church, bing, bang, boom, I'm done. No, it's not about that. It's about seeing God for who He is. 
seeing his nature. This is how he showed us himself. We can read this and know more about God. And that leads us into a life of faith. It leads us into a life, hopefully, of praise. And so I want the result of tonight to be praise. But I want it to come by giving you a view of God. Christmas is often hijacked by the world and Satan. Uh, You know, it's hard sometimes whenever family comes over because we all have those family members that are not the easiest to get along with. And sometimes that makes Christmas not the most fun thing. Or sometimes, uh, you know, you've, you've used your credit card unwisely and, you've, or, and or you've spent too much money and now you're broke and Christmas doesn't seem that fun now. Uh, or maybe, you know, maybe you're here today and you're just really lonely. Maybe you have family that's gone away. Maybe, um, maybe you're just single and, and you're lonely. Seasonal depression is a real thing. And it's, a, it's, it's an opportunity, though, for us to come together and for us to share the unity and, and really to utilize the church and what it is, and that is brotherhood and, and unity. But, you know, Christmas is often hijacked by the Satan in the world, and, and, and they try to distract us from the true meaning of Christmas. The, the purpose of Christmas is to remember what, when Christ came to this earth. In, in flesh. And it is supposed to be a time where we worship Him and we praise Him. We lift up His name. That is the true meaning of Christmas. So tonight I want us to look at, at God, what He did, and how others reacted to that. So number one, praise Him for creation. Praise Him for creation. He is the creator of time, space, and matter. He is, the, he is the creator of the weather, of the seasons. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the creator of the, the leaves and the stars. And, and all the way from the macro to the micro, he is the creator of all those things. And, you know, what I, I like to build things. I'm, I'm a little bit of a carpenter. I'm not very good. But sometimes, you know, I build something or maybe I'm, I draw. You know, any, any creation that I make, I often make this creation and I look at it and, and I see like a flaw or two. But like, Tell me if this ever happens to you. Like, the more you look at it, the more you see wrong with it. And I'm like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, man, this is junk. And everyone's like, oh, it's so good. And I'm like, this is garbage, you know. But every time that I look at God's creation, it's not like that. It gets better the more I look at it. And I was just sitting there the other day on this bench, and my mom has, like, this plant inside, and I was looking at the plant. And, you know, on the surface, it's just a leaf. And I, I looked a little bit closer, and I, was, I looked a little bit closer. And the further in depth I went, the, the more detail I saw in the plant. And I was like, oh my word, this is so intricate. And I just walk by it every day. And we can see that God is a genius. God's mind and his creativity is infinite. And, and his mathematical perfection, the chemical perfection, all of that is evidence of his genius. Uh, oftentimes we, we see these people and they get Nobel Peace Prizes and you know, pr- uh, prizes for innovations and such for, for the inventions that they make. And I think about it compared to the inventions that God has made and it pales in comparison. There is a, um, forgive me for not being a scientist while explaining this, um, but on the end of a, a bacteria or so, I can't even remember right now, there's this little thing called a flagellum. And it is five to... 20 micrometers in length. 
and you can't even see that. And it's 10 to 30 nanometers in width. And on the end of it is a basically an organic motor. And it's in a cell. And it is, no, it is considered the most efficient motor there is. It has somewhere between, it's like a thousand RPMs or something, and it's got its own little clutch system and everything. And I don't see how people can look at that and say, it happened by accident. That is obvious creation. That is obvious evidence of a creator. But whenever I look at God's creation, it gets better the more I look at it. It's wonderful. It's, it's magnificent. And, and when you just, just go outside tomorrow. Look at the leaves. Look at the sky. It's wonderful. For those reasons alone, we can praise Him. Number two. Let's look at verse two. It says, Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. We can praise God because of His mighty acts. I mean, just look at the Bible. There are so many miracles in this Bible that we should just drop down on our knees right now and worship God. Because of the great things that he has done. And, and you know, great and mighty, he's raised people from the dead. He's healed the blind. Uh, he's delivered saints from the, the, the jaws of lions. He has saved people from sin and hell. All these are miracles. And the Bible is filled with them. But I want you also to look at God's hand in your life. The mighty acts that he's done in your life. Because oftentimes those are the acts that we just pass right by. But if you've been saved for any amount of time, you know that God's hand is on your life. And He's moving you and He's crafting you. Sometimes He protects you from things. Uh, I can remember sometimes that I've been in, in a traffic jam and I get mad or I get stuck at this light for like three minutes and I'm like, I'm about to shoot this light out. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm not a road rager, but I kind of felt like that. And, you know, I'm getting mad. And then I go through the light, I take a corner, and there's a crash that just happened right after and I'm like, okay, sure, I've been through here before and this light never has held me up this long, but it did this time and I didn't get in the accident. Is that providence? Possibly. But I can tell you that there's sometimes where I know it's God. Where I know it's God. I've been um, financially for me in, in college. God has blessed me like nobody's business. He has provided for me in cases where I was, I was down to basically no money and I was like, okay, God, I'm reading this passage where it says that you provide for your children, I'm, where it talks about all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, Lord, this is the part where you do something, right? And, you know, I'm praying, I'm praying hard. But it wasn't until I yielded my spirit to God and I said, Lord, I trust you for this because you've proven yourself before. And I'm telling you the next day, Mr. Bunn, our finance officer, came and said, hey, can you come up and talk to me uh, and just before chapel? And I went up and talked to him and he said, hey, Somebody has put a scholarship on your bill for X amount of money, and it covered basically my whole semester and then some. And I'm telling you, things like that are not by chance. And you can look back in your life, and I hope you can look back in your life and see the hand of God moving, where He provides for you in little things and in big things. And, and, and if, you, if you sit here today and you say, I've never seen God's hand work in my life, then A, you either need to make sure that you're saved, Okay, or you need to make sure that you're not backslidden or you need to make sure that your focus is on God and not on this world, because God is working in each one of us. And if you're if you're paying attention, you're seeing it because it's evident. If you only focus 
on the bad things in life, though, you're not going to see it. And it's easy to look at the bad things in life. It's easy to focus on those hard times, on the pains of life, because it's everywhere. It seems like in every corner you're meeting another obstacle that causes you pain or harm or discomfort or some level of interruption, interruption in your life. And, and we, we, we tend to focus on that bad, but if you only focus on the bad, then of course your view of God is going to be wrong because all you see is the bad, so therefore life is bad. But if you're looking past that, if you're looking past it, looking to the good, counting your blessings, if you're looking to God, then you will see the good. And it will carry you through those hard times. And you will, you'll, if you're looking at God, you will see past the bad. And, it's, and it gives you a sense of security. It gives you a sense of, of almost invincibility because you can walk through these hard times knowing I'm following the one who created all. I'm following the one who gives comfort, who gives protection, who, who just aids you in every area of life. And, and I want us to praise him for those mighty acts that he's done. Let's look at verse number three. I want us to look at praise him openly. Verse number three. Praise him with the sound of trumpet, of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Now, this is an outflow. This is how... I'm not going to go into music right now, even though that's a whole other message on how we can worship God through music. Um, But I want us to look how this is an exterior praise. It's open, it's loud, it's sounding, it's the trumpet, it's, it's the loud cymbals. And I'm not talking Pentecostal. I'm not saying run around and yell and scream. I'm saying make sure that you're praising God openly. Because sometimes, you know, it's good to praise God in, in your devotion time. You should. You should praise God in your devotion time. But you should also praise Him openly. Take every opportunity you can to praise God. Let everyone know. I think... I, often, I honestly think that the world thinks God is dead because His people don't praise Him as they ought. You know, God's still working. God's still working. But how are they going to know about it if you don't tell them? It's kind of a nah-duh thing. God is still working and He wants to use you as that vessel of praise to, to, to show other people. It must be open. He is still working. He's still doing great things. We need to get every, take every chance that we can to praise His name. And sometimes we're, we, we get hindered by that because we don't believe that that person will understand or that they won't believe. But that shouldn't stop us. That should be, that, that should be a, an opportunity for us, actually, uh, to talk to that person, to praise the Lord, and then that opens up the door to tell them about Christ. So we need to take those opportunities as often as we can. And true praise knows no discourager. I'll leave that there. Verse 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. This is an invitation to praise. When you wake up in the morning, praise God. When you, you say, Lord, thank you for waking me up again. You know, for some of you, that's harder <laughs> to get up out of bed than others. But praise the Lord when you can get up. Praise the Lord when you go down for breakfast. Praise the Lord whenever you get that cup of coffee in the morning. No amens? 
Okay, I, I, I mean, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I know some of you are addicted, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> but praise the Lord for those things. Praise the Lord for the job that you have. Praise the Lord for the family that you have or the friends that you have or the church that you have. Praise the Lord for the safety that He gives you, the sight that He gives you. Praise Him for the beauty that He, he allows us to see. Praise Him for His love. Praise Him for everything. If you have a voice, if you have breath, praise God. You should praise Him. Every chance you get, you should praise Him. Praise you the Lord. And we can praise the Lord at all times, no matter what, no matter the circumstances. You know, life is hard. Life sometimes just kicks you way down low, and you're on the ground, and you're like, God, this seems like a dumb time to praise you. But you know what? Those are sometimes the times that you need to praise Him the most. You know, look in that hymnal and study some of those people that, that wrote those hymns. Some of those hymns were born out of the hardest times you can imagine. I was, asked, I was talking to someone the other day, and she was telling me about the song. Um, I just lost the song. Um, but it's written by, uh, okay, it's uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. It was written by Joseph Scriven. It was back in the 1800s. His, his fiance died like the night before they were about to get married. And he wrote that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And then his other fiance died. And then his mom died. And all these people are dying around him. But you know what? His focus was on God. And he was able to say, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Some of the greatest songs were born out of the worst trials of life. I think about Job as well. Job just lost his family. Job just lost you know, his cattle and all that, and all that he lost. And you know what he did? He got down on his knees and he worshipped God. And he praised the Lord for what he did have. And it's something that we should do because praise is not about the external, it's about the internal. And we can praise him at all times. My question to you is, do you praise him? Do you praise him? Is he not worth praising? Let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is obviously a, a, a chapter that we read a lot during Christmas time, and a lot of you are very familiar with it. So I'm just going to kind of skip down through. I'm not going to read all 80 verses of chapter 1. Um, I'll just, I'll just kind of skim down through. And I want us to look at the different people that praise the Lord. Because these two chapters of the Christmas account, they are saturated with praise. Luke chapter 1, verse 41 it says, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutate, the salute, sorry, the sal- <coughs> I'm going to die here, sorry. Salutations of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. That's Elizabeth praising the Lord for, for baby Jesus. Um, in her belly. And, and then verse 46, this is the Magnificent that Brother Woodard went over. It was, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowness of the low estate of my handmaiden, and behold, for henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. 
and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He that showeth strength with his arm, he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the riches he hath sent empty away. He hath upholden his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He hath spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Let's look at verse 64. And this is talking of Zechariah whenever he saw Jesus, finally. It says, And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 10. It says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and shall be a sign for you, and ye shall find the brave wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And here it is. And suddenly there was with, an angel, with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will towards men. Look at verse 20. It says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's look at verse 28 as our last. Then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared from the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. I think it would be a great error on our part not to praise God during this time. It is the perfect time to praise God. It is the perfect time to bring Him up in conversation. It is the perfect time to look at Him, to meditate on Him, to think about Him, and to say, glory to God. Praise Him for who He is, what He's done, and what He's going to do. We have so much to praise God for. It should be on our lips. If every breath of our life was praise, it would still not be enough. Praise God. And every character that we read there, that was angels, that was shepherds, that was, that was everyone. Everyone praised the Lord when they saw Him. And I just ask that for you, that you would praise the Lord tonight, tomorrow, and every time you think about Him, which should be all the time, but that He would be, that he would be the central focus. And every time that you thought about Him and what He's done, that praise would come to your mouth and, and just swell your heart thinking about what He's done and what He's going to do. I'll finish. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. It says, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for all that you have done. And God, I just ask that you would be glorified and that we would raise your name high above all names. And Lord, I'm grateful that one day we will. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless this time and that you would uh, just be with anyone's heart right now that's cold or distracted or not thinking about you during this Christmas season, and that they would just take a moment and praise your name. 
And Lord, I just ask that that would be our anthem for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.